Hello, I'm Dominic West. I play Jimmy McNulty and I directed this episode. And I'm Kate Sanford. I'm one of the series editors on the show and I edited this episode with Dominic. I also have been on the show since season one. You're the best editor in the world. Oh, thank you so much. It's too kind. Spoof to imitate a call. This is your directorial debut, yes, isn't it? it? Yes, yes. I've made them let me direct, uh -huh. and this is the result, but I haven't seen all of it yet. Right. It's really basic shit. This scene was interesting because this was in the beat sheets, and then David changed it and had me and Freeman in the detail office, which I felt really lost the sort of claustrophobia of, of this broom cupboard. Mm -hmm. So I got him to put it back, and I think it worked quite well. Mm -hmm. This was quite a challenging scene. This whole sequence in the teaser was quite an extravaganza with four cameras at certain points and, you know, a big action sequence. And, you know, how was that for you as your first time out? Well, I, I sort of thought I was Michael Bay for a few days. Um, I thought they wouldn't go with all the helicopters and boats and stuff, but we asked them and they said yes. And, and amazingly, we got away with it. Yeah. Uh, but it was a huge dip. We storyboarded everything and made it all um, as efficient as we could. And we shot the whole scene on the harbor, I think, in about four hours. It was so quick. I mean, I'm in New York getting footage that you shot the day before. And all of this stuff came in. And we were just astounded at not only how much and how beautifully it was shot, but how quickly you guys were able to do it. And then I heard you only had boats and helicopters available for about three hours. Yeah, 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 they'd only do three sweeps or something. That shot we just saw, we panned from the utility closet to seeing... Um, Holly. Holly. Who's listening to the, to, the yeah, to the wire. Yeah, I thought that would be the big laugh out loud moment. I'm not sure if it worked. I actually watched this a couple of weeks ago. If I could go back and recut it, I would actually put more time on that door shot. Oh, really? On the pan across? I think it does read and comes across, but I would actually... It was rushed. ...milk it a little bit more so that you really understand that he's literally in the closet. Next door, Next yeah. door. And um, we're listening to this quite low, but if you have a chance to hear the mix, we muffled the sound that's coming through there so that right. you can... Oh, right, understand yeah. the relationship between where yeah. you are inside and yeah. and then it and then as the camera pans over the sound shifts and you can hear it filtered coming through Holly's computer right hopefully that worked Now, Dominic, this is interesting because as you watch the sequence and you haven't seen the final show edited together, you'll see that Sidner has some different performances that we ended up toning down. Oh, right. That lady cop, she's a real cop. She's the spokeswoman for the BPD on local television, I think. And the other guy was uh, Janice, the woman who did my hair for five years. Her son, her great son, who appears as a cop throughout the season, but never actually got to say anything. <laughs> oh, cool. So as you watch this, you'll see Sidner is, he's there and he's sort of participating, but he isn't grabbing anybody and putting them against the car. And 
going even further and kind of pretending to be part of it. We had him just oh, I see. uncomfortably right. observing and then walking away. They cut the bit where, they, where he throws him against the thing. Oh, right. Yeah. I have to explain that I bring in a director's cut, which is two minutes too long, and then the producers knock the two minutes off. So I haven't seen that producer's cut yet, so this is it. Off on a tangent. He said he wanted to bite you. What? Bite you how? Scott, are you saying that he threatened to... Wait a minute, hold on a second. Holy Christ. <laughs> Mr. Bobbles. And so you haven't seen that either, because that was a little visual effect that we added. We took right. the photo of Mr. Bobbles and we digitally married it to Right. An empty phone. Yeah. But I love that teaser. Yeah. I think they knocked some time off the teaser, but I think it was uh, it always in the beat sheet and every way all the way through it was it was such a It's a great one. It's such a good one. I think that the only thing that we cut out of it was that Sidner bit and everything right. else just got a little you know, a little quicker, a little more polished. Right. I'm going to take this opportunity to tell you that I cut this title sequence. Oh, you did, very yes. very proud, and it was a lot of fun. And I also did last year, season four. We spent about six months working on this. Really? From the very beginning, with the first day the dailies come in until the last episode is shot, because we like to try to pull pieces from every show. From every episode? From every episode, just a little bit. Now, Dave Inslee, who's the DP, this was his first episode as the full-on DP because we lost Russell, or Russell went to do something else. Mm -hmm. He went to have a baby. He went to have a baby, that was it. Anyway, Dave Inslee has been on the show from season one, usually doing second unit or, or B camera. He defined, after Uda left, he defined on paper what the whole wire shooting style was, uh, which Russell followed, in fact. But it was great for him finally to be in charge. I don't think so much as a single. I was so lucky to have him for my episode because he's the loveliest man and he also is hugely experienced and mm -hmm. he shot the original hairspray and a lot of John Waters films and uh, much of whatever's good in this episode is due to Dave. Right now with the sword hanging over my head, I don't have the kind of financial support at my disposal that I would ordinarily be able to rely upon. You feel? So the money boys are laying off. Now, do you want to talk about this guy? Billy Murphy is the guy in the chair is uh, playing himself. He is a, a real lawyer, a bit of a Baltimore character and um, has never acted before. And I was a bit worried because I didn't know whether, you know, what it'd be like on the day. And so I insisted on going to see him a week before, and we just went through the scene, and he was, he, he, he was great, but I don't know if we got the shot, because I put those horns behind him so that they'd come out of his head, but we didn't get that. There was a shot where he was lined up so the horns came out of his head, so he looked like the devil lawyer, which he has a sort of devil quality about him, but he's a wonderfully charismatic and funny man and a brilliant lawyer, and hopefully that came across, because he was playing himself. All that profile, she. It, partner, you should be paying me a fee. Seriously, dog. For twenty thousand cash to my. And this is Isaiah Whitlock, the great Isaiah Whitlock, who has this incredible ability to make a corrupt bastard incredibly likable and funny. No, son, I'm gonna make you. 
Motherfuckers gonna be wiping they ass with Johnny Cochran's memory and carrying your business card in every damn pocket before we done. <laughs> now, is that, that's Billy's real office, I think. Really? Yeah, well, he just moved into it and he was really proud of it. Why don't you save that silver tongue? Is that actually the Baltimore skyline behind him? That is the Baltimore skyline, yeah. And the idea was to, what we see later with Deirdre, was to have the two skylines for the two opposing lawyers. Mm hmm and both backed by the skyline. I don't think the horn shot made it exactly. It didn't, no, I th it, was, it was probably overkill, but it did make me laugh at the time. And David Simon was laughing too. I thought Billy would kill me though if he saw it. And there's a copy of Generation Kill on top of Holly's computer. That yeah. is the basis for David Simon's next miniseries. Yeah, I had Holly, I don't know if, if it was in there, but I, as a joke, I wanted to have Holly falling asleep reading Generation Kill. Mm -hmm. So he was nodding off reading it because they insisted on putting the book in. I thought, well, we'll have, have it look like he's bored stiff reading it. <laughs> but you, personally? Like I told you, he said I humiliated him by writing that the biting was sexual. So I was going to ask you, how was it to be acting as well as directing? Because you were in an unusually large number of scenes in this particular episode, yeah. as well as directing for the first time. Yeah, I, I sort of asked them to make me go light on the acting, but they didn't, obviously. No, you were in about a quarter of the scenes, which I was, feature and was, you. And it was, it was this scene I remember being quite hard, because I think it was the, one of the first we shot, and I have, you know, such respect for these guys in this scene that I thought there's no way I can direct them or tell them what to do. No, not at all. Listen, we reserve the right to make this decision. But so I was it. trying to get Joe Chappelle to tell whatever I needed to do, but he wouldn't do it. So anyway, I eventually got the guts to do it, and of course they were very gracious. And after that, I realized mm -hmm. that uh, it wasn't going to be a problem. But the difficulty is always that when you're acting, that I found myself cutting the scene together in my head as director and realized that wasn't, that wasn't going to be uh, the way to do it. So uh -huh. it, was, it was having to be totally focused as an actor and you know not trying to be both things at the same time. Again, you, you can't print anything about where he's calling from. We're well, it probably to helped, too, that they probably didn't want to give you an, an episode at the very beginning of this season. Don't spook him. You know, people's characters had already been established somewhat. People yeah. knew where, basically, what they were supposed to be. I think Tom McCarthy is incredible. I think he's just great. And uh, Clark Johnson also playing Gus Haynes. Yeah. He's working out pretty well for I had a lot of fun working with them. And you're doing OK. Well, <laughs> Clark, he never remembers a single line. He doesn't know any of his lines. He never seems to know what he's doing. And then you see him on screen, and he just burns up the screen with his charisma and his mm -hmm. incredible acting. What the fuck? That is Savino, played by Chris Clanton, who lived across the street and grew up across the street from here. I remember when he pushes open the door, I, they, they all kept asking, you know, what do you want the shotgun shots to look like? And I said, I don't know, but uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris knew, so he told me. And behind him is uh, Scoogie, uh, Cherry, played by Scoogie Stanley Boyd, who uh, people may know from The Corner, was a great character on The Corner. He wasn't the actor, he was the actual character. And uh, James Jorsling playing Vincent tied up, was a brilliant actor. He gets this character Savino, I don't know if we've seen him in quite a while. I well, remember he, him from season one. Yeah.
He was in season one and then he went to jail at the end of season one and then they tried to get him back in season three and he was actually the, the actor. Um, Chris was actually in jail, so they couldn't get him back until this season. We're still mad at him because he led Greg's into a trap Yeah, he was in season one. Aiden is one of the few actors that I let myself give him terrible directions saying, sit up on this line and look up. Um, and he just does it because we need to do it for the camera move. And normally, no good director would ever do that to an actor. But I thought I could get away with it with Aiden, and he does it beautifully, makes it look completely natural. Vince Peranio's sofa there, which he'd always wanted to have in some shot, and it never featured it, so we featured it quite strongly in this scene. Uh -huh. <laughs> Made Vince very happy. His personal sofa? Uh, yes, it is, in fact. Uh -huh. It's perfect for Carchetti. There we go. Sit up on that line, Aiden, and look up. <laughs> Vince is the production designer. He's been on from yeah. the from, beginning and also the, John yeah. Waters' production designer. All of John Waters as well, yeah. He designs anything that comes out of Baltimore. Photographs. Peter Garrity. Peter Garrity doing something, always something a little odd. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he's always munching pills or eating something. Yeah, or touching himself. Yeah. I did a film with him about 15 years ago, so I knew him really well. Mm -hmm. We were in south of France together. And he's one of the funniest men alive. Howard County has the right software and a couple of their computers. You need two? I usually, you know, see the cut all the way through from the assembly to the director's cut to the producer's cut. And then I often will go to the audio mix, but sometimes I don't make it to the mix, and then I'll see the show on a DVD or on the air, and something will be added that I didn't know about. And in this scene, there's music in the background, which we never put in and never even talked about. And our music supervisor, Blake Lee, his objective is, of course, to put as much music, source music only, in each episode. And I thought this was a really nice addition. himself elected on the Law & Order ticket. Crime doesn't go down much. And then uh, a couple of weeks before he starts gearing up to announce for governor, some wing... Now, the ending of this scene was improvised, in fact, where Peter where he sort of pushes the check over to us. Mm -hmm. This was all, <laughs> this was not written, this is Peter being funny. Uh -huh. oh. Nice. <laughs> but I especially like that at the end because I still like the Perlman-McNulty relationship, yeah, just a little bit a, of the history. Yeah. 20. Yeah. I can't remember how it ended in the script, 92. but... Peter managed to get in a beautiful moment of venal selfishness from the judge. And I can't imagine what you're thinking. Oh, now, isn't that guy sitting next to Steintorf, didn't he win a contest oh, yes. to be part of the show? He did. Or an auction or something? That guy on the left. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know where to put him. <laughs> he won, he bid for that role mm -hmm. in the charity auction. Bill Rawls. I need him on the line now. And there was another woman actually in that scene who I think also bid for it, but we didn't. Oh, know the secretary. She, she didn't make the final cut. It wasn't the secretary. Oh. Yeah, there's Michael's stepfather, who was beaten to death last season. And Bunk's still investigating that case. Deputy wants as much of my squad as I can wrangle upstairs right now. We're going large, Richard on McNulty's serial killer. When I was trying to work out the shots, all these scenes with Bunk, I always pictured him as being big in the foreground and the action going on behind him, mm -hmm. because he's so much the sort of moral center of what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And also because Wendell is always fascinating, whether he's speaking or reacting. 
on which I'm the sole remaining And uh, I think most of these shots feature him mm -hmm. strong in the foreground, which is why the scenes work, because all you need to do is look at Wendell and you know exactly what's going on. me to fuck up and ship my ass to a trial board. He's so brilliant. And you let that whole scene, except for the little button on the end there, the whole thing is playing in one shot in the foreground. But actually, you told me that you didn't know he would be so kind of soft focus in the back. Who? Landman. Right. But we went with it anyway, and I think it was really good. Yeah, good yeah, thing. we just get him at the end, yeah. The rest of his squad is immediate support. Lieutenant Diodario's shift will man the wiretap. In addition to Alma and Scott, Oleska will have a column come Now, this sequence is an intercut. It's very unusual kind of structure for the wire to have so much intercutting between one location and another that parallel each other. This like is brilliant this. editing. Thank you. <laughs> but it was written this way, so we put it together this way. While there have been numerous field interviews and canvases, we haven't done It was the hardest thing to shoot because we didn't know whether to pan across, sweep across, or mm -hmm. pan across, or whether we had to match the angles. We shot it every which way. I like it very much. It was a hard thing to work out because if you were working on a movie or another kind of television show, this kind of sequence would be accompanied by music. Right. But that's something that The Wire doesn't do, and yeah. it's just not part of the vocabulary. And we don't use and have never used any score in the show. So it plays dry, and I hope, hope it works. I think the only time we also did this, the first episode of season four, we're introducing the schools and the detectives, and we have a parallel, a couple of back and forths going too. Chief, we're going to need to pull bodies from district ops to give homicide their own surveillance on. And having had some experience in the politics of staffing, I leave it to McNulty to pick the people. For once, people, I am assured that the resources we need to work this story will be there for us. Bill Zorzi, who is playing himself, who is obviously a journalist of the Sun. No overtime restrictions, no staffing limits on this case. Bill Delaney, another brilliant actor, who I just had such fun with for five years. What do you know? Good day. Is that Spider? That's Spider. Harassing Dookie a little bit again. Spider. I love Spider. This is just beautifully shot. This is one of my favorite scenes because I never worked with these guys in season four because I was away. It was the first time I really got to work with Jermaine and Tristan. And uh, they're a true delight. And th that guy, Spider, played by Edward Green, Bill Zorzi met him and brought him onto the show. Man, you ain't even never been in no dentist. The great thing about season five is seeing these guys grown up from season four. Which I thought was amazing. BAC, maybe they spelled it bad. Systems manager in a deadline-driven environment. Man, ain't nothing there. And even if there was, you ain't 16. Hey, y'all gotta pick up bug after three. Hey, so hey, hey, hang on, hang on. Exotic dancer downtown, financial district, lunchtime hours. I'm not saying anything because I'm just listening to this dialogue, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> now we talk. So nice. Look at that. Look at this dance. <laughs> hey. Now, the one guy I was frightened of when I was directing, I was worried that it was going to take the piss out of me, was Seth Gilliam, who plays Carver, of course. Anyway, he's a very great friend of mine, so I thought he would kill me, and he was a real surprise, because he, I think, saw the pressure I was under, and during this scene, which is unfortunately the only scene I got to direct him in, 
was incredibly supportive and uh, uncharacteristically so. Police officials best equipped to answer these new developments in the case of. We were worried that this scene would look too festive with the fountains. Unacceptable. Um, because it's a serious news conference about homelessness, and uh, I quite like it actually, because it was a really gloomy day, which was suitable. And uh, eventually, we couldn't turn the fountains off, or we'd missed our slot. At our disposal, I have made clear to my police uh, commanders that they have my. So they stayed, and it has a quite a nice sort of counterpoint to the seriousness that this politician has these festive fountains behind him. I thought it was really quite funny. This man will be brought to justice. Thank you. Now, we went to some lengths to make sure we had four shots to try to convey that that thing is not attached to anything. Yeah, yeah, it was difficult making that absolutely clear, wasn't it? Yeah. Voice and digital photos. He calls again. Again, these festive lights to counterpoint the incredibly uh -huh. bored. Uh -huh. <laughs> I do these background checks myself, Jay. There's no need to involve You heard the deputy. Now, this scene was also a shooting extravaganza. Right. This is quite a long scene, maybe four or five minutes, and you had two cameras going, and you went up to like 24 different setups times three or four takes each. You wouldn't think it, but it took quite a lot of coverage to get every place. Yeah. It was always difficult getting over those glass partitions. Yeah. figure what he's about, and after that, I'll have more to spin off. Voice analysis of the call. Believe in that shit. Next thing I know, you want me to go to fucking Quantico with this fucking thing. As a matter of fact, <laughs> you don't believe in behavioral forensics. I think in the original edit, you had a shot to Wendell there. Right. But it didn't need it. It was just that just, just that noise was just that laugh he does is so funny. Yeah, just Bill's reaction that makes it. And for police work you get. <laughs> Proud of yourselves? We're close to Marvel. A week or two at most. How does it feel getting Greg's pulled off a triple? How does it feel knowing that you got surveillance teams out there and, and, and district units and tactical, all of them chasing bullshit? We're going to use the surveillance teams, actually. They're going to help us bring in the case, Bunk. I don't even want to know whose picture you got running in the paper or where that motherfucker actually happens to be. <laughs> Names and addresses, whatever you got. Jimmy. Don't kill yourself. <laughs> son, you're out of the loop. Don't worry, son. I got you covered on all this. Uh, listen, one other thing. I, uh, I'm getting my kid for an overnight. Where do I get kids' furniture? Ikea. Uh, see y'all. Shame on y'all. I mean it. Just going back to what you said about Wendell Pierce here, he's really a dream for us in the editing room because he's always in character and whenever you need him. Whenever, whenever you, you cut to him, he's doing something interesting. Whenever you cut to him, he's doing something interesting, even if he's just reacting or looking or well, yeah. sitting there. Called and tell him I'm going to keep calling till he feels my fucking pain, all right? Yeah, and again, him in the foreground and the action mm -hmm. happening behind. Gift wrapped. Number one. 
still didn't expect me to get this shit done on my own. Broke ass department ain't The even idea there. was to have a church behind okay. McNulty there, and it was out of focus. Mm-hmm. It's fucked up. It's all fucked up. The idea of him as the final gesture in this, right. of, as the sort of savior, these things, he thinks he's the messiah. Uh, you can't quite see it. It's got the statue of Washington and the, and the cathedral behind him. He's up at this one girl's place at uh, Athol Avenue, right? Comes in late, but he leaves early. So? So I don't mind. I see. I don't know if we ever talked about that. Yeah, it was out of focus. I didn't realize it was out of focus, unfortunately, because yeah. I really wanted it in. Parking lots on both sides. And if he decides to park on the street and walk across the grass, he still has the fucking patio. It was a really door. good view from that. From mm -hmm. that car park, and as we were shooting it, we suddenly saw this amazing yeah, full moon. Cars, yeah. Did that make it into the, the last scene? Yes. So we shot that a bit, and it was, uh, it looked like it was stock footage, but it was actually on this night we shot it. I write up the hours under my file, and you can do that. I love how the background has this, you know, blurry yeah. lights, and it's gorgeous. Yeah. I think the cityscape featured quite prominently in this episode. I don't know if it did in so much in other episodes, but mm -hmm. we had it at least four or five shots of the, of the city's skyline. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Look at you, not even blinking. Not that I blame So there's you. Michael's stepfather beaten. Not what this heinous motherfucker did to you. Still, this was a hard scene to work on, actually. Was it? And you shot this brilliant young actor, Tristan, two ways, in a sense, remember? Yeah. And there were really two performances. He could be a little more glib. Yeah. Because with all due respect, both of them worked, I thought. Yeah. It was so funny, Wendell's comment at the end of this, he said, motherfucker doesn't say a word, and he still steals the whole scene. Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> is usually what Wendell does, so I was quite glad. Individual. You see what I'm saying? I don't remember what you and I left in the cut. We sort of had two parallel versions, two options, and I think the producers ended up going with just the stoniest, most yeah. impassive yeah. expression. Yeah. Conveying we, as little as possible, but then conveying everything. Yeah. Wendell gave two different performances or takes on the scene. One where he's trying to make light of the situation mm -hmm. because the words are so heavy, mm -hmm. it sort of worked, and I think that's the one we went with. Kind of formula, I know, anecdotal lead. The shirts are interesting in this episode <laughs> because <laughs> they are utterly deliberate that as the chaos mounts, mm -hmm. so do the stripes and checks become all the more pronounced. And that was Alonzo, who is our, mm -hmm. our costume designer, who thought about this very carefully, and it's... Um, this particular scene especially, oh, well, I think, the, or all throughout? Or, no, throughout, throughout the, whole, throughout the whole season, but you, you'll notice in the season the more, mm -hmm. as, as the chaos mounts and the... That's the, so interesting. The stripes and, and ties get, get louder and louder, <laughs> till by the end you've almost got epilepsy. Nina Noble was with me in the editing room commenting on that particular wardrobe choice, and sometimes I think those decisions don't always make it right. throughout. Right, oh, really? We had him in that, yeah. uh, what do you call it? Now, here's a scene you actually didn't shoot yourself. Yeah. This was Joe Chappelle, who directed episode one of this year and several others from the previous years, and is sort of the go-to second unit director when the main director runs out of time or actors aren't available, there are some scenes left over that are still to shoot. So, Dominic, I may not have seen this. This was, this was the best 
that I really wanted to do the scenes is such a great scene. But I did cast these two actors, Seymour Horowitz and Rosemary Noah, as um, the grieving father and mother. And uh, Rosemary is very well known Baltimore actress, and uh, they just instantly sympathetic, and look like they're married to each other for some reason. Nobody deserves that. And I think we did cut this down from its original length because, you know, it's so sad and it really conveys in what ended up being a much shorter time, just how, how, just how tragic that experience is for, for them and then for Greg's listening. We spent hours choosing their house as well. I remember we spent almost a half a day choosing that house. <laughs> you can barely see it. And it was all about the beige wall in the background. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty powerful without being purple. But this stuff that's, that Scott's written, it makes it sound like he's been living with the homeless for weeks. He spends one night under the JFX, and another half... So we cut the tracking shot looking through the window on this, yeah, which sort of established it. I mean... I suppose we did. I love that shot. <laughs> anyway, it just, it just showed us where we were, which is, of course, in an office. ...in his hands. He walks under the highway at night. I mean, this is our fucking city. This ain't Beirut. I respect you. He was so brilliantly sanctimonious in this scene. I'll take the piece and move it as my own edit. How's that? Very much based on two real characters, those two editors. Mm -hmm. Who I think David was getting revenge on. Yeah. And while they declined to talk on camera, the parents of Jonathan Boland say they are. Now, here we added this later as well, this video. So you probably hadn't seen that. We just couldn't believe Lance's washboard <laughs> chest. Well, whose wardrobe decision was this? It was mine completely. Poor guy had to go along with it. I wanted to have the look that they'd just had quite good sex. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> hence the pyjamas. Uh-huh. Now, this was supposed to be mirroring the Billy Murphy scene where he has the whole city at his feet mm -hmm. and, uh, behind him. For Mr. Bond. It's on him. He needs a this is her career case. If she wins this case, she's going to get the big promotion. And so the idea was that she's got the city waiting to take over the city. Mm -hmm. Of course, she doesn't do because she loses the case. How much longer left? At the very end of that scene, we trimmed a little bit too because we thought it was nice to end on a kiss, that they yeah. have a little bit of a physical gesture and a kiss yeah. and then get out. I mean, sometimes we make these decisions purely for content and sometimes a little bit for time because we do always come in long yeah. and we have to get the show down to 58 minutes and 30 seconds. She also had a difficult line, I don't know if it made it in the final, but where she says, go away. And it was very difficult to make mm. that line, and she did it brilliantly, to make that line an affectionate and loving thing. <laughs> and she's telling him to go away. No. Right, the end of that was, go away, you'll see me when you come down for right. your morning coffee. Right. But that didn't make it. Difficult line. Well, I don't need any additional canvas. What, you want to know why? Well, I'll tell you why, because I already know the name of the missing smokehound. Yeah, his name is D.O.B. and his last known address at a city shelter. Lawrence Butler, 310-1951. I really wanted to open up the detail office with these long shots because you don't often get the long shots in the detail office and also the idea that Lester's working away on his own in this cavernous space. More leads, Sergeant. I'll be able to use the extra manpower you give me and run this shit down. But until then, when you back off, Jay, just... Yeah, just back the fuck off. This is also really quite a scene for you as an actor, too. I mean, right. you had so much to do, and 
you're so credible. You're, you know, supposedly talking to Jane Landsman on the other line, but of course there's no one there. Hey, uh... As fast as you can. Senator! How can I plead to what I didn't do? This was the one joke that the writer... Richard Price. Richard Price. I met him before he'd written the episode, and he said he just had this one joke that he really wanted to get in, Promise of Bound. Uh-huh. Horrifically punished by the powers that be for the terrible crime of trying to bring light... So I, I was interested that the, the writers, they, they don't actually do... I mean, they obviously do a hell of a lot, but the, the beat sheets are all mm -hmm. worked out beforehand in conference, and mm -hmm. then they add one or two little moments, and mm -hmm. and Richard Price's the two big moments were Prometheus Bound was this great joke, and also the end, final scene, which is taken from his book Clockers, mm. which we can talk about later. He also, in that scene we just watched, managed to work in his favorite personal quote, which is, no good deed goes unpunished, yes. <laughs> which is also the opening quote to his book, Samaritan, right. if you look at the opening page, and that's kind of his credo. <laughs> right, no good deed goes unpunished. Quantico, along with the case file, they'll review them, meet with us. You got to hit every downtown shelter or mission there is. You want bodies for that? I'm taking Christensen, the rookie. Oh, so speaking of wardrobe, you're wearing the... In the back there, you're wearing the diamond tie. <laughs> Was that a favorite of yours, or? I actually own that tie now. Oh, do you? Mm -hmm. Why? Well, there was a wardrobe sale, and I was able to buy a number of things. And, and you got one the diamond tie? And I own that. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So I got another one for you. Do you wear it a lot? I don't want that to sound stalkery, no. <laughs> My older son needed some shirts and ties and things like that, and I thought, that's a very nice tie. Go to family services. Do, is he aware that it's supposed to signify McNulty's increasing insanity? No. This is the great Ed Norris, who was Baltimore Police Commissioner on the wire, I think, from season one. Jimmy, strangled a 20-year-old, stuffed her under her bed. And then was removed from being Baltimore Police Commissioner and ruined by powers that, that be. I knew he was the real guy. I don't know the story behind it, though. King of Diamonds. Anyway, he's now a very successful radio DJ. During this scene, we went through that scene a lot, and he said, you know, I've been on this show for five years, and no one's ever told me how to act or given me any direction at all. Really? And he, yeah, which is amazing, because he, he's never acted before, and he's completely convincing. Every single transaction you've described, Detective, the money. And so what did you tell him? Well, we just went through the scene again and again and again, and, um... Yes, sir. Often... And I, I was mainly curious to know what he's actually saying. It's always interesting to ask his opinion, would this really happen? And he said, this happens the whole time. Hmm. Your Honor, no further questions. Cross-examination. When he's begging for money, you mean no. begging for cars and equipment, and I can put yeah. this down if only I yeah. had yeah. these resources? Yeah. So the way this scene opens, I think it's sort of nice where you get a little montage of the people who are right. in the soup kitchen. And I, th I think you and I had that, and it stayed throughout. Yeah, I think we had a bit more of it. Mm -hmm. It's lost a bit. Yeah, we just had the whole group of people and shot them 
mm-hmm. without them knowing we were filming them. And got some really nice shots. Just to establish the scene, particularly the mother and daughter mm-hmm. on the end. You're not. Trivia for later, if you watched the last episode of season five, there's a long montage of Baltimore, of people in Baltimore and faces and going all around the city, and some of these people actually made it into that montage oh, as well. Great. great. story about what it's like for them. We were going to shoot this outside, but it was pouring with rain. Mm-hmm. Can't imagine. You go about a story about what life's like, huh? Bubbles, man. Mike Fletcher. Sticking for the moment with the West Baltimore Hoops chair, what were your basic responsibilities there? All right, so the trial's heating up. Yet you drew $40,000 a year as the executive director. No. That's Donnell Rawlings, a well-known stand-up comedian. Ah, well, not for you. This guy, Day Day? Yeah, yeah. he had the whole place collapsing in laughter. Whenever he shouted cut, he'd do something, the whole place would erupt with laughter. But I think, so he always did a great job. When we called action to be this serious because everyone had been laughing so much, particularly the jury. Here it is. All right, so here's finally all the equipment set up. And then finally, you see what they've been transmitting. Meet at 550? I'm gonna go get up on Mark. Mm-hmm. You have a criminal history, do you not, Mr. Price? Yeah, I did some years. And when you last got out of prison six years ago, was Senator Davis aware of your... Billy is brilliant in the scene, but the one thing he hadn't anticipated was the whole continuity aspect of acting. Mm-hmm. Is this how you repay him? He just couldn't understand every time we went, no, you've got to put your hand up at that point, or put the stick down, or... So that did take quite a long time, eventually. Correct? Every time. It's like watching a snake rounding up its prey. Mm-hmm. Receive that money, isn't that correct? I guess not. You guess not? I guess not. Mr. Price, you acknowledged earlier that in exchange for your... This scene, and then there's the final courtroom scene, and you ended up actually breaking this up into different sections, right? Because it was quite a lot for Billy to do all in one run. Right. Ensures that you will not... Yeah. I think I would venture to say continuity and memorizing... Well, he knew all the lines. He knew all the lines until we started shooting, and, and then I think because of having to worry about continuity and everything, he oh. they went out of his head. That's his wife there, second from the right, in the front row. Who dressed him, and that's his son. That's his son. Billy's son, I mean. Who just leaned over, you Who mean? just leaned over, yeah. Oh. I didn't know that. Who I met in a street in Baltimore, and he insisted on being in the scene, and he was really good. I wish we'd had more of him in the shot. Corey Barker, who was, after every shot for five years, he'd go, man, I was terrible at that. <laughs> he was always just brilliant. He's so very good. And he'd go, God, I was terrible in there. He would always beat himself up about it. Guy's been hitting the bus shelters every third or fourth night. We've got two wounded in one day going back to that piece since December. 
This is so funny. Now this is the one, two, three punch. <laughs> People keep coming to McNulty asking for. Now you're the boss. If he hits on the third, one night. Okay. Okay. Two nights. Put my CC number on the OT slips. Can you give those to me? It's cool. I know the drill. Another one of those nightmare lines of all the acronyms: CC on the OT, on the QPZ, and the. Which I could never remember. And you're absolutely obligated to stay on book in this oh God, series. Yeah. Yeah. Not a word. And believe me, it ruined my week. Rough, huh? I'm sitting there explaining to the salt of the fucking earth why their eldest who was living on the street because nothing they did could fix his problems. But God knows they tried. Sonia in one of her power suits. Spent half the budget on Sonia's wardrobe, I think. <laughs> Now, I tried to play this scene as much on McNulty and make it as much about I think that's always, always a good idea. <laughs> Generally. Not always, but in this case. And the producers pulled it back a little and balanced the two, but right. I think, for me, I thought that was mostly about what a toll it's taking on McNulty. Yeah. That's completely changed, because we did have them in the foreground talking. This is a big change, actually. This was two scenes that actually emerged into one scene. Right. Oh, right, of course. Yeah. What? Just having fun with you. <laughs> Thanks for bringing me This was, I think, the best set we had for five years. It was a real set underneath the freeway, which Vince turned into the cardboard village. And just lighting those wonderful arches, there's like a... Mm -hmm. A gothic cathedral. Very like it feels. Sonia was really worried about this scene. And I just knew if we just kept the camera on it and I said, just try and build it, uh -huh. the frustration would come out automatically. And it did, and she did. <laughs> Is, is it later on she goes, oh, fuck? Mm -hmm. she, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, here's another scene I think we picked up after you were gone. It's just a little scene of Gus reading the paper. No, reading... I directed this. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. We directed it after Clark was directing me oh, okay. during the day in that bar, and then at night we picked up this little scene and I directed Clark. Oh, okay. Rodney, you can't press it. It was after we'd shot the wake scene and real whiskey had been going around, so I was absolutely plastered when we eventually got around to All right, so you have to talk about Richard Belzer. What is he doing in here? Well, Belzer is competing for the world record of playing the same character in seven different TV shows. Right, and he now is the world leader. Yeah. He must be by at least three shows. I think Finity and Belzer were all having dinner, and they called up David Simon and said, look, you've got to get him in. And there was a huge debate. Joe Chappelle was very against using it as a sort of in-joke. He said it was very much not the wire style, but eventually it went in, and I'm glad it did, because he was a real, real delight to work with, such a funny man. <laughs> and the joke sort of, you wouldn't really notice it unless you knew, and it was great to help him in his world record bid. You're part of history. Yeah. Dash, 
I love the neon in this scene. What they call you, yo? And that wonderful wall. Mm -hmm. We went around that district of the strip clubs right. to find a really good wall and found that one. Mm -hmm. And the next street, which was, I think dated from the 1920s or 30s, not this one, this was more 70s, but they painted over them the following week, so I'm, I was really glad we got it in. Is this downtown Baltimore? This is downtown Baltimore on the sort of burlesque strip. Uh -huh. and, uh, that's the Hustler Club lights. And um, they were cleaning it up, and it was a real shame, because they painted over all the pictures of the naked women dancing, and so that the men looking out of their offices next door wouldn't be upset. And uh, anyway, we managed to get it in and record mm -hmm. it for posterity. Not that you see too much. Yeah. No way, yo. And that's gone now? That's gone. So that splooge, which we took ages trying to master how exactly we're going to get the blood to splooge in the right direction, it was Bill Catania and Neil Ruddy who came up with this wonderful splooge gun and filled it. I was always interested in how they, what they use for brain matter, and it's, it's banana and oats, which we sprayed all over this wall. Mm -hmm. We've got to talk. Now, I love this scene because that machine was so annoying spitting out these pictures, and Lester just gives it a brilliant look of irritation at the beginning, which I find with lots of uh, computers, mm -hmm. just this. So technophobia. She got no priors, no prints on file. But after that, BPH. That's the real Jay Landsman. Print characteristics that are like an FBI barcode. And it's paired with a photo. Who's acting with Clark there? Who is a cop? One's been carrying the other one's hands around the person last It's confusing because he's not actually playing himself. <laughs> no. Bill plays Jay Landsman, and Jay Landsman plays. Um, Detective Mello. Detective Mello. We're at a point where I'm gonna need more bodies. Surveillance cars, man hours. We're gonna have to stay on these guys till those clocks start to make sense. Well, good news is they're giving me more manpower than they can waste. Bad news? It's all around the office that I'm giving out hours and money to people who work other cases. I can't help it, Lester. It's the kind of person I am. Give and give and give. You know, you're not careful. You're gonna get shit on you, on us. Who's gonna complain? The guys are working cases and getting paid. What exactly do you need? Seven men. No eight in cars. Oh, shit. They offered me men from the districts and the surveillance supervisor. It was always a challenge to get, get out of the usual setup in the detail office because there's so many scenes over the years. I think this is only the second kitchen scene in the whole five years. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> you got the right I love this joke. Because this goes back to season one, where McNulty was assembling IKEA furniture. That's absolutely real. She really fucking hurt herself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that references the scene where I'm trying to put the bed together and while drinking Jameson. I think is there a skateboard coming through here in a minute? <laughs> Which was one of the grips. One of the grips flew through shot on a skateboard, so we had to make him do it again and again for every shot. <laughs> this was supposed to be shot at night, so it was a real problem how we were going to conceal Omar coming up. And then, I think it might have even been Michael, but I, I hope it was me who came up with the idea that we'd have him pretending to be a homeless man, which sort of fitted in the theme of the whole season. Mm -hmm. I think it worked pretty well. Wow. We also try to stay a little tighter. We may have changed the coverage a little bit. 
we were kind of inside of their conversation and didn't see him peeking around right. the corner. Right. Oh, yeah. Did you get the shot where he's rooting around in the trash can? I don't think so. Oh, right, okay. I think it may have just called into question why they didn't notice he was there. Yeah, maybe. Kennard there giving him a stare. Do we cut back to him? We cut yeah. back to him, yeah. and if you'll listen, we added a line. What's he say? Oh, it's coming up. Shit, man. If you would have made me from Monk's apartment the other night, I might be laid out my own cell. Gimpy as a motherfucker. Gimpy as a motherfucker? <laughs> anyway, that's referencing Omar's demise at the hands of Kennard. A little precursor to that, sowing the seeds. 11,000 to West Side Hoops. Next day, $11,000 drawn. This was a continuity nightmare. <laughs> you bet it all went into my account. It made it easier for me to do my job. And at the end of the day, not one penny stayed with me. I need you to do better than that, Senator. Where are your records? Records? Yes, records. For example... Oh, this is really his great performance. Isaiah, yeah. Yeah. So... He should Someone get many awards for this, this scene. Half my district was going to have the heat turned off. And then some went for puff jackets for them that got cheated. I mean, it's the climax of an incredible performance as Clay for however many years. And he was word perfect from take one. Perfect. Absolutely Every single perfect. one. Continuity perfect. And if you watch the scene, I mean, you can count how many cameras and how many angles there were. I think there were usually two cameras on him. But even so... He had to do this at least 10, 12 times. Yeah. Two-page speech. All the way through. Practiced every damn day of our lives. Hell and fear factor? Oh, shit. Don't even get me started. Forgive me, but I still don't understand how that justifies... Let me tell you something, brother. I don't know how they do it out in Roland Park. Maybe uh, Prosecutor Obama <laughs> can enlighten me on that. Very but nice. My world is strictly cash and carry. Obama, Obama. Clay Davis. <laughs> My people need now, after I cut the scene and we put it to rest, I actually was called for jury duty. Oh, I was really? on a federal wiretapping trial. Oh, my God. But what it made me wonder is, why isn't anybody objecting more during this scene, you know? Right. There's a little bit of objecting. Well, but still, he's allowed, this witness is allowed to tell a long, long, long story, which yeah. I realize doesn't often happen in court. Yeah, well, I think the point was that Bond should have been objecting and wasn't, and right. that's what gets Dee Dee's character so annoyed. Yeah, but you give me 20000 for a basketball and an air pump, I am pulling goodly on that for whatever... It's brilliant writing, and it couldn't have had a better performance. He did it in three different ways. You know, I'd just say, try it a different way, and he gave three completely different performances, and they're all superb. It was the last one that he did this, where he actually looks like he's crying, which was right. just hilarious. And because the scene's so long, we had a strategy of trying to telescope in a little bit, letting the speech play a little wider, and then toward the center, we're in medium, and then once we get up to the finale, we're going in for the closer shots. And if a jury of my peers, you all, deem it right and true for me to walk out of here and upright and justified, man, 
Here we go. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna do the same damn yeah. thing tomorrow. And the day after that, the day quiver in his that, voice. They got me laid out at Look at him, he's actually crying. And truck me off to Mount Auburn. That's Dion Graham who plays Bond. Who had a tricky scene there because he has to convey his failure and weakness just by looks. Like FEMA, we set up trailers. This is Aidan Gillen, who is some of the shelter population. Great Irish actor. You know, put him down in War Memorial from Dublin, and Neil Huff, who plays Steintorf. Neil Huff plays Steintorf. Had just got married, I think, the week before, or he was just about to leave to get married. So he was in a rush during the scene, thinking about his wife. I think he plays it brilliantly. That's Reggie Cathy. Love Reggie. And David Goodman, who plays the budget director who is flawless with really boring lines to say, and he makes them interesting. Time and investigative costs. There's no choice anymore. This thing has a lock on everyone's attention. When another victim disappears, we're going to be even more on the spot. Look, I'm just telling you, if this goes on more than a month, with what we'll be spending, you're looking at cutbacks throughout the agencies, maybe even teacher layoffs come the end of the fiscal. Teacher layoffs by a I think Aiden improvised the end of this scene as well. Lovely. Right. That little bit that there. That little bit there. And then you cut out of there early, Kate. <laughs> Clock's ticking. <laughs> I just want to say that despite all the false accusations made against me... There's Billy. There's his son on Isaiah's left oh, shoulder. Behind him, uh-huh. What the fuck just happened? As long as I can deserve the people. Never it was, they don't teach it in law school. So here's where the episode's um, epigram comes from. Whatever it was, they don't teach it in law school. Right. And the actress who plays Rhonda, Deirdre Lovejoy? Dee Dee. Dee Dee. She was so excited that her character got the Oh yes, of course, finally, she said after she said, five years, yeah. I, get my, I get my line on the card. Well, start with some James Brown records and work up from there. Embarrassing, ain't it? I can't believe nobody had sense enough to tone this down. The hype is bad enough, but what gets me is I can't trust the guy. I mean, I sent him back out on the street to own his mistake. He comes back with some bullshit about stolen identity. I finally got that insert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know I did. Sometimes we'll be finished with an episode except for a few little missing pieces, and we'll put a black card in there and wait for the second unit crew to go out and shoot our inserts for us. But the thing of this is, he was standing on an outright lie. And if he'll lie about a correction... Then will he lie to make a story? The whole setup of this scene was... because we were really short of time. It used to be Clark going over to her desk. And then we couldn't work out how to do it in two setups. Hmm. And you have two cameras here. Yeah. Basketball, yeah. Football, sure. I don't want to call another reporter a liar. I really don't. Beautiful lighting there from Dave. This wonderful little kid who was Melanie, who played Kima's. Plays Cheryl. Plays Cheryl. Uh -huh. It's her real son. Uh huh. And he was superb. Oh. I kept promising him that this would be the last take, and I kept having to say, We're going to do one more. <laughs> so by the end, he didn't believe a word I said. Well, you only did a couple of on these setups. 
each, but then once you get over to the window and the scene's about to end, yeah. I think you did eight. We did, yeah, we had to do eight, because uh, he would improvise. <laughs> and also <laughs> then we had trouble with the cop car going past, which never seemed to come on time. Mm -hmm. There was a big debate about whether we were going to shoot any other point of views out the window. You'll see when they go over to the window, yeah. they're sitting at the window, and it's really nicely framed, and you're going to see the cop car go by. But she says goodnight, fiends, and all that. We were yeah, debating no. whether we were going to ask. There's the moon from that uh, other scene. Yeah. We stuck that flashing night, light and the blue light up as well. Yeah. But we looked for ages, for at least two days. I always envisioned the scene as ending on, on, as a cityscape. Mm -hmm. And um, we couldn't find the view anywhere that had, or the street that had the local scene that she's describing, the junkies on the corner and and then pan up to the whole city. And uh, we could never find it. And I think everyone got very frustrated that I wouldn't accept anything that we came across. And then eventually realized when we got here that we didn't need it. Mm -hmm. We just pull away and we'd imagine what yeah. they were looking at. Yeah. And I think it works really well. Yeah. They were worried that this was a bit too cinematic, this ending, but I think it's so beautifully written and it's straight out of Richard Price's book, Clockers, where the cop comes home and his child won't sleep and he says exactly those lines and he very generously gave it to us to use in The Wire. Mm -hmm. And I think that cinematic end sort of is justified by the lines. Beautiful job. Well, it was particularly great doing it with you, Kate. It's so funny watching it now. That went so quickly. I can't believe it was about half an hour. Well, I hope you watch it again, and then you can really study and hear all of the, because we've been chatting over the yeah. whole thing with you, and you can really yeah. hear. I'm going to thank a couple of people besides you. Yeah. Um, I have an incredible crew. I just want to thank Blake Lee, our music supervisor, and our assistant editors. Anya's Gronditz, Victoria Lang, Laura Weinberg, and Matthew Boris, who were with us all season. I just want to thank Shelley Ziegler, who was yeah. the first AD, who got me through with a minimum of hitches, and uh, I couldn't have done it without She's her. She's amazing. Or Dave. Yeah. Anyway, all those people are so sad seeing all those credits, all those people we won't be working with again. And now it's all over. Best crew in the world. Anyway, thanks, Kate. Thank you. I'm Kate Sanford. I'm the series editor for The Wire and the editor of this episode. And I'm Dominic West. I played McNulty, and I had the privilege to direct this episode. <laughs> <laughs>